Okay. <laughs> Here we go. All right. So um, we're in the second week of Advent. Um, and Advent is the four weekends leading up to Christmas. Uh, last week, we had, we heard, you guys heard from Professor Craig. Um, that was the first week of Advent, but because I kind of was like, hey, I need your help, he's just like, well, this is what I got, and I said, that sounds great. So last week was supposed to be on thankfulness in terms of the Advent calendar, Um, and again, the four weeks leading up to Christmas, Christmas is the day that we celebrate the birth of Jesus, who is the Messiah, the King of Kings, the Lamb of God. And essentially a new beginning for each one of us and a new beginning for creation. Um, in Jesus, the kingdom of God is, is now. Meaning that when Jesus arrives, that the kingdom of God is in him. And uh, we see the inauguration of the kingdom of God happening in him through salvation. And that we can find new birth in him, new life in him. At the same time, the kingdom of God is not yet. Meaning that the fullness of the kingdom is not here completely. Um, And so he gives us an invitation to participate within the wrongs that we see. So in Jesus, the kingdom is now. We have salvation in him. At the same time, the kingdom of God is not yet. And we still see injustices and things happening all around the world. So in this second week of Advent, the first one was supposed to be on thankfulness. This week, we press into the darkness. And we press into our lament. And this is something that we're not really good at. Uh, This is not really something that the evangelical American church is probably, we don't really hang out in our lament a lot. We tend to err on the side of celebration and victory. Um, And we ask uh, a very simple question in the second week of lament, which is, um, sorry, how long, O Lord? And so we ask this biblical question, how long, O Lord, when we think about cancer, when we think about death, when we think about addiction, when we think about poverty, homelessness, when we think about the war that many of us have forgotten that's still going on between Russia and Ukraine. I mean, that's just old news. But that's still raging on. And then obviously we think about the war that's happening between our Israeli and Palestinian brothers and sisters, all of whom are our brothers and sisters. We press into how long, O Lord, will we continue to see these things that the kingdom of God is not fully yet. As a therapist, um, I have the chance to hang out with people. A lot of them have trauma. I, um, and so as I hear their stories... I've had the chance to be able to meet with people whose parents served in World War II in Vietnam and actually had the chance to be able to sit with someone who has PTSD because their parents uh, fled war-torn countries. And their parents uh, literally told them that we almost had to kill you just to try and survive. All three of these men have substance abuse disorder in part because their parents all had radical trauma and were just trying to get through. And so we asked the question, how long, O oh Lord, how long will we continue to live in this space where the kingdom is not fully realized and you're not coming back? And so we see all of these issues. 
And we do certainly look for answers to these issues. Some people believe that if the right political party is in charge, then these issues will diminish. I don't think that's the case. Uh, some people think if we just throw enough money at it, then it'll just go away. I don't think it's the case as well. Uh, better medical care, uh, yes and no. Bigger armies, better technology, more information. We certainly keep move, making progress in certain ways. There is no doubt. I mean, living in today's day and age, like when I spoke at Thanksgiving, and I talked about they had Thanksgiving because they were excited they weren't going to starve to death. Now we all sit around, not all of us, uh, now we sit around at Thanksgiving thinking, how much can I eat without gaining weight? We live in radically a very fortunate moment in time that we can think about trying to not gain weight. Not a joke. So when we think about all of these things, like how are we making the world better? We are reminded that the full, fullness of the kingdom is now and not yet. So in the middle of this um, sermon, we're going to have people who are going to stand up and just read certain parts, and uh, you can just uh, listen to what it is that they're going to say. So Julia, would you like to read your part? So when we think about our answer to a broken creation, how we try and fix it with armies and money and political parties, all these things, God's answer to a broken creation is very straightforward, and that is the Messiah. That is Jesus. That is his answer. So in Isaiah um, 40, chapter 41 through 11, it says this, Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain, and the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all people will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry out. And I say, what shall I cry? All the people are like grass, and all their faithfulness is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall because the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God endures forever. You who bring good news to Zion, go up on a high mountain. You who will bring good news to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up and do not be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power and he rules with a mighty arm. See, his reward is with him and his recompense accompanies him. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and he carries them close to his heart and he gently leads those that have young. <clears throat> so over and over, we see that scripture draws us to one conclusion. Where is our hope? Where is your hope? 
And when we're looking at scripture, our hope is in the Messiah. The, our hope is in the one who will come, who will make things right, who will, who will uh, bring the fullness of the kingdom. And so we see all these examples in scripture as you read through the gospels. Uh, you see during you know, the beginning when Jesus is born, you see the example of even the wise men. And that these three wise men were waiting for a sign. Because for them, their hope wasn't in bigger armies. Their, their hope wasn't in the right political parties. Um, their hope was in the Messiah. And they were waiting and they were wanting. And, and, and so when they saw the signs of the Messiah being born, they went. We also have the example of Simeon and Anna. In Luke uh, chapter 2, verses 25 and 26... Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory uh, of your people, Israel. In Luke uh, chapter 2, verses 36 through 37, there was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. And she had lived with her husband seven years after their marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. That scripture always gets me in. She was married to her husband for seven years and then was widowed and stayed in the temple until she was 84. Like, wow. I think it's tough having a quiet time every day. <laughs> it's like, wow. So here you see the chosen people of God, uh, the Jewish people. And so this is always interesting to, to me as well. You have the chosen people of God, and, but they live underneath Roman occupation. And so here they have the scriptures, they have the stories, they have the prophets, all of these things. And at the same time, they're under the uh, rule of the Romans. And so what's, what's their... Uh, the way that they see the solution, and that it's in the Messiah, in Jesus. And so <clears throat> then the question for us is, you know, what is the answer to your pain? What is the answer to the things that you're wrestling with? And we ask the question, uh, how long, O oh Lord? James, you want to read? So when we grieve for all that we see, where do we put our hope? The three wise men, 
They were seeking a sign because they wanted to see the Messiah. Simeon and Anna, they were waiting again for the Messiah, God's deliverance through the Messiah, through Jesus. In Habakkuk, chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, How long, Lord, must I call for help? But you do not listen. Or I cry out to you, violence, but you do not save. Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife. Conflict abounds. Therefore, the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous so that justice is perverted. Where is God's justice? I mean, this is a pretty powerful prayer. It's pretty raw. Like, where are you, God? Seemingly, the wicked are getting their way. So where is God's justice? It is in Jesus. Michael, do you want to read? So where is God's justice? It's in Christ. And in Jesus, we have salvation and we have invitation. Again, in Christ, the kingdom of God has come. But the kingdom of God is not fully here. And so we have um, both salvation and invitation. Salvation in that God has judged the world and offered the spotless, sinless lamb that is Jesus. And we can participate in that. We can be a part of that, that we can be born again, that we can be new creations in him. Yet the fullness of the kingdom is not here completely. And so we have an invitation for the church to participate in the kingdom and justice of God right here and right now. So we have these two things that Christ has given us. And for the most part, people try to insulate themselves from the pain of the world, um, which is probably the natural and normal thing. Like there's things that are going on and you, um, you know, I don't, it's tough to think that you want to inconvenience yourself or hurt yourself to try and naturally help. I think most of us want to try and stay safe. But for us, the church, you and I, we have an opportunity to press into the pain. That for us, theologically, we have been rescued, that we have been purchased, that we have been given something that we didn't pay for, that we did nothing for, that it was a a gift to us, that Christ comes and he gives us the opportunity to be born again, to be free, uh, to experience grace. And so for us, uh, we, we, we experience that and he invites us to press into the pain with him 
And not just our pain, but obviously the pain of others. I know that for myself, um, I've been following Jesus for 27 years. Which I remember the first time someone said they've been following Jesus for 20 years or something like that. I'm like, that seems so, so many years. That seems too long. And now I'm like, wow, I've been following Jesus for 27 years. I guess when I realized how much Jesus loved me, and I also realized that he didn't love me any more than he loved everyone that I saw, no matter if they were all bent over on the streets or if they were some person that had a ton of money, that literally everyone can look in the mirror and say, I'm pretty sure I'm God's favorite child. And that would be a true statement. But not everyone knows that. And not everyone can say that. And there are some people in some really difficult situations that Jesus invites us into that journey with other people to both bring salvation that people don't know that they can be born again and that Jesus can free them and to be able to help out in practical ways in terms of just like painting a house and showing God's love in very practical ways, right? And so this idea of how long, how long, oh Lord, that both we experience the solution and then at the same time, we kind of get to be the solution for other people. Not that we can save people, but we can be the hands and feet of Jesus to obey his invitation and participate in his redemptive work. I mean, one of the things about Reading, Reading has certainly changed, uh, that's for sure. Um, I think I moved here when I was 16. It's certainly changed since then. I mean, I moved here when there used to be the cruise. Anyone else remember the cruise, right? You cruise around. <laughs> it honestly, see, how many people have seen the movie American Graffiti? Great movie. Um, and they had the cruise, and they would go around in cars and be like, what's up? But it wasn't like, what's up? It was more, I don't know what it was. And so um, I moved here from South Lake Tahoe, and they had the cruise. And you'd go out there, and it was downtown on all the one-way streets. And, you know, you'd be like, I don't know what you'd be doing. What would you be doing, Jeremy? Uh, it, it was just an interesting place. And so now Reading has changed because there's been a lot more money that has come into Reading for various things. But Reading used to be called Poverty Flats. That's what this place used to be called because at one point in time, and at least this is the way that I understand it, now, during the Depression when the, when the dam was built, you had a lot of people coming over from Oklahoma, kind of grapes of wrath type of thing, and they moved here and then the dam was done and then it just continued on with what would be considered just like kind of like poorer white people. And so it was called Poverty Flats for, for some time. Um, and even though there is a lot more money here, there's still a very poor underbelly to Reading, like for real. And in all honesty, what I see is not so much the integration of poor people, but kind of the displacement of poor people. When people ask me like what I see in, happening in Reading, I generally say that it's a form of gentrification. Um, that's what I see happening. And so um, in terms of invitation, Reading still has, if you want to think about it in this way, like a great opportunity to be a blessing. In Reading, California, or in Shasta County, ACEs, Adverse Childhood Experiences, <clears throat> we're like twice, twice the state average. 
we have some of the highest ACE uh, scores in the state of California, which is pretty wild, because there's some pretty wild places in California, guys. That says a lot about what is going on in our county. Uh, domestic abuse is very high in Shasta County. Obviously, those things go hand in hand. Poverty, domestic abuse, high ACE scores. All of those things are very related. And so when I think about like how we can be a blessing, I don't know if you've been to the library anytime soon or lately. And let me be crystal clear from someone who works in the field. Those aren't homeless people. Those are addicts. And I make a big distinction between those two. Like when I go there, I'm like, everyone here is in their 30s-ish. Like this is an addiction thing. Are they homeless? Yes, they are. But from what used to be homelessness to what is now homelessness, like, wow, it's a whole new demographic of people, young people, who are hooked on meth and fentanyl and booze and all these things. And so it's a, there's plenty of work to be done here by us. That is for sure. For sure. So just in terms of like, again, the committee, how do we press into others' people's pain? Because a lot of people, those people... People might want to throw money at these types of things, and I get that, but for us, we actually want to get involved with people's lives. It's a big difference. And so when I think about the church, the church has always been like this. And I've shared this story before, that back in the day, that one of the things that the church was known for is that if you were in Rome, that if you had a child that you didn't want or that was um, had some type of you know, uh, was malformed or whatever, that you could just put the child outside the walls of, of Rome. But the church, the early church, was known for going and rescuing these children that, that the Romans would put outside the city walls because the church has been doing this for a long, long, long time. So again, it's this invitation for us to get into the injustice to demonstrate the kingdom of God by loving people, praying for the sick, standing up for the widow, the orphan, and the immigrant, as the Old Testament would say. I mean, I think the cool thing I love about this church, we do some rad stuff. We're a small church, but we do great stuff, man. Like Joe with the laundry outreach, man. Like, so cool. The homework club that we have going on. Um, just even, like, simple things, inviting someone over for dinner. And our, like socially awkward landscape that we live in at this point in time. Thank you, Facebook and Instagram. Not a joke, man. Socially awkward. Um, another way that we could do this, guys, which is really simple, uh, what if we really wanted to know how someone was doing when we asked, how are you doing? That's simple. These are all super simple things that we can do. I know that people are asking, is there a God? The, Christmas is not a secular holiday. This is the birth of the Messiah. This is the birth of Jesus, the solution, the solution to a broken humanity, to a broken creation, that God sends his son in the likeness of mankind to be sinless, to be the sinless offering for sin. 
that we can be reborn, new creations in Christ. And at the same time, right, that's the salvation. He invites us into then pressing into the pain and being his people. People are asking, is there a God? And we can point and say, here we are, his people. Doing his work. We're here. We're right here. Yes, there's a God. How do you know? We're here. If I was just in myself, I probably wouldn't care. But I'm here. So, um, we ask, how long, O Lord? And God sends his son. Born of a virgin. Fulfilling the prophecies of the Old Testament. In that Jesus is God's justice. Making creation right again. And until the second coming we ask how long O Lord. But in between that time man we are invited to be his body. Demonstrating his justice to a broken world. Cindy you want to read? All right, we're going to take communion. This is something we do every Sunday. That the bread and the wine, these are the signs of the covenant. Much like a wedding ring is a sign of a covenant between Linda and I. For better or worse. That... This is the sign of the covenant that we have with God through Christ. That the cracker or the bread represents his body which was broken for us. And that Jesus is the only individual to live a sinless life. And he allowed his body to be broken for our broken bodies. So that in him we are now the righteousness of God. And that the wine represents his blood that was poured out for us, for our sins, for our past, present, and future sins. And that the signs of the covenant are everyday items because the kingdom is an everyday thing. And we ingest this sign of the covenant because Jesus is inside of me. And I take communion regularly because I need it. There's a lot of symbolism going on here. So the way that we do it, if you're a follower of Christ or if you would like to start following Christ today, you just come down the center aisle here. You take a piece of the cracker. You dip it into the wine. You go around like this so we can keep the flow going. We all hold on to it together, and then we'll take communion together once everyone has the elements.